Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Appreciate you tonight. Okay, let's get into our Bibles this evening. If you can uh, get into your Bibles, like John's Gospel, uh, chapter 15, verse 14. If you would go there in your Bible tonight, John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 14. If you would go there in the Word of God, John's Gospel, uh, chapter 15, verse 14. Uh, we will also look at Acts chapter 2 as well, uh, verse 42. Um, but as you're going there this evening, I was uh, inspired recently during our South Texas Bible Conference. Uh, you know, when you go to these conferences, you know, it's a people conference where they're preaching to uh, the laymen of the church and, and ordinary people, uh, the people who make up our churches, but it's also aimed at ministering to pastors as well and their wives. And uh, during that conference, uh, uh, Pastor Harold Warner was uh, mentioning uh, uh, and talking about church growth and how many times uh, people can get stuck on on why the church isn't growing or why are people leaving or, or you know, begin to feel a sense of uh, despair or frustration when it comes to just working with people. Uh, you know, we all experience that from time to time. If you're in ministry or involved in outreach, uh, uh, you know, we want to reach people for Jesus. Uh, but uh, he was mentioning uh, that a pastor was uh, kind of uh, emphasizing this idea that there's uh, these things that you can do and don't do. And uh, Pastor Warner mentioned, uh, instead of focusing on just having a lot of people in church, uh, why don't you just focus on having a healthy church? Yeah. And I thank God for wisdom. Amen. Because anything that is healthy will grow. Anything healthy grows. Things that are healthy grows. Uh, ultimately, we want to see churches reproduced uh, uh, we call churches that send churches out mother churches. Now, if you relate this to the human anatomy and to childbirthing, we know that women who are healthy, uh, women who uh, basically are, uh, uh, are just, uh, they're, they're, uh, have vitality, uh, that, that's one of the keys for them having, to, having good uh, childbirthing. A healthy woman produces healthy children. A healthy church produces healthy churches and also healthy baby churches. Obviously, uh, if you're anemic or uh, you have health issues and concerns, doesn't mean you can have children. It just means that there's risk involved. Uh, there's things that can happen to the mother. Things can happen to the baby because of health issues. Now, I want you to think about that tonight because uh, uh, as I begin to kind of take that thought of healthy churches, I begin to you know, start doing some research and studying about uh, what makes things healthy, you know. Uh, so you'll probably hear a, a, a few sermons about uh, or moving along this theme of health. Uh, but uh, when you look at the Bible, you definitely read that uh, there are some healthy ingredients uh, that took place in the early church. 
And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say tonight that what I'm preaching on is the thing that's missing. And once we do this, then everything's going to work. I'm not saying that. But just like anything else, you know, if anybody uh, uh, likes to, you know, uh, you're a food connoisseur, uh, you like uh, good foods, you know that ingredients, certain ingredients makes things taste really good. Certain things, you know, I've learned recently, and maybe for many of you it's nothing new, but, you know, cinnamon goes really good in coffee when you're making coffee. There's just little things in life that add something, and, and, and it has a great, uh, not just a taste benefit, but even health benefit. And one of those things I want to talk about tonight that we read in our Bible and that we need to uh, uh, intentionally uh, begin to uh, shape our lives is in the area of fellowship. And I'm not going to say tonight, uh, well, if we do this, then revival is going to happen. Because I realize ultimately God is who brings revival. God brings revival. I mean, we can all... We could fellowship to we're blue in the face and we stay up all night and eat the whole refrigerator, but that doesn't necessarily mean revival is going to fall on us. I know ultimately God brings revival, but we can't ignore the fact uh, that when we look at the early church, there was this atmosphere that went with the church. And part of that atmosphere is that people wanted to be together. I want you to think about that tonight. In other words, it wasn't just about coming to a church service. It wasn't just about just doing some religious things. But God's people looked forward and wanted to be together. This is a good question we need to ask ourselves tonight. Do you want to be together? You don't have to answer that or anything like that. I'm not looking for any answers out loud. But the reality is we need to ask ourselves that. Is that something that we put as important? in our lives and in the lives of our church. And Acts 2.42, it says they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So what we read in that scripture is that the church was doing several things. But what we have to highlight, what I'm trying to highlight in this sermon, is that they were in fellowship. They were in friendship with one another. They were in relation with one another. And, beloved, uh, what that tells us tonight is that a healthy church uh, is a church that is others-oriented. In other words, our heart and our desire is not focused on what's in it for us or what can we get from it, but our focus and desire is how can we be a blessing and be a part of someone else's life. Others-oriented. Health has to do with us looking outside of ourselves And I believe that this was one of the ingredients uh, in the people of God that produce and help uh, uh, cultivate an arena of revival. So in this sermon that I'm preaching, uh, I'm going to speak about these things, about friendship and fellowship. uh, But uh, the underlining question that I want you to ask yourself is, what can I do in this congregation to help another person? I want you to think on those terms tonight. John chapter 15, verse 14 tonight. Uh, I want to look at uh, this powerful statement that Jesus gave his disciples, uh, and he speaks to us tonight uh, through these verses. Uh, I want to talk about the fellowship of friends for a moment out of John 15, verses 14 through 17. Jesus said this, uh, and uh, he said, you are my friends. 
Now, now there's a contingent right here. If you do whatever I command you. So this is, think about this kind of friendship right now before we go any further. There's a contingency here. Okay, now verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all the things that I heard from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you, verse 17, these things I command you that you love one Another. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the fellowship of our congregation. Lord, I pray there would be a cultivation of friendship of men and women, God, that would love each other, would serve each other. God, they would be about others, God, and you would bless uh, and cause there to be a dimension of revival in their lives to overflow. God, meet every need in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen. So before I go any further, uh, I want to kind of hit something head on. And the moment we start talking about friendship and fellowship, what is being challenged immediately is our personal freedoms or the idea of, can it be about me? So in my first point, um, it's more of a question, is it all about me tonight? If we're going to have a church of friends, and we're in our thought tonight is, how am I going to bless another person? Then what we're challenging is this idea, what about me? What about the things I want? What about the things I desire? That gets challenged tonight, and I want to submit to you, this is why a lot of people don't continue to serve God because of this right here, because they lose sight of uh, what uh, is actually taking place. Uh, and uh, when we feel like uh, we're going to miss out on something for ourselves, sadly, sometimes through selfishness, uh, we will withdraw ourselves uh, because we're afraid to lose freedom so another can have freedom. Now, that's not something we publish, uh, but it's something that is deep within human nature because by nature, we're all selfish. How many people know that tonight? We just are. We're all selfish. We, and this is why uh, having real friends and being in a real fellowship uh, is vital tonight. We put in our sign of our church, the Door Christian Fellowship Church. Uh, now, I'm no fool tonight. I know just because you put that on your sign doesn't mean that it's real. A fellowship tonight is more than just a sign And when we read our scripture in the early church, uh, fellowship isn't something that they said they were going to have. You know, we do that in our church. Let's have a fellowship. And by no means am I trying to get you to change how how you're saying that. But in the church, the early church, they were the fellowship. It was just who they were. It wasn't let's have one. It's just who they were. That's what they are. They are a fellowship. They are a people that are interested in each other's lives. Uh, But if we want to answer this question, and and in my first point, uh, uh, make a real understanding about this issue, well, if we do a study on John chapter uh, 15, verses 14 through 17, this is three verses. I counted that Jesus says you 15 times. I went and counted uh, before I preached the sermon. So is it all about you or me? Well, in a way it is. Because Jesus mentions you 
which happens to be me and you. Hope I don't get confused here. Us. <laughs> he speaks about you individuals 15 times in three verses. So when Jesus says you 15 times, that's a lot. Jesus has a lot to say about you and I when he comes to the subject of friendship and fellowship. A.W. Tozer wrote this, and I want you to pay attention to this because it's going to explain how we experience fellowship through God and fellowship with one another to a degree. A.W. Tozer mentions, um, has, any, have, has anybody ever had an experience to hear pianos that get tuned? Probably many of us never have, but just in case you have. Uh, the idea is when you tune a piano, you don't tune a piano with another piano. You actually have an instrument. You have a, a fork that is used. But did you know that the same fork uh, that you automatically tune uh, each piano with um, brings all the pianos in one accord, not to each other, but to another standard, which is uh, outside of itself, which they all individually bow. So when you get 100 worshipers of God together, each one looking to Christ are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be when they become unity. Unconsciously and consciously, they turn their eyes away from God to strive for a closer fellowship. So in other words, as you and I begin to look to Jesus and want to know Jesus, and we all do that, whether we realize it or not, our hearts begin to get closer together because we're all focused on the same person. It's actually scientifically proven that when everyone is singing together, that our heartbeats begin to synchronize to the same levels. Choirs and groups, as they sing, not only their voices harmonize, but their heartbeats begin to start to go to the same pace. I want you to think about that dynamic. So this is where Jesus is kind of speaking about the idea of friendship through him and friendship with one another. And what Jesus is offering these disciples and he offers us in salvation is an experience of a lifetime that you and I can be friends with the living God through Jesus Christ. This is, this is something very powerful. We can take this for granted very easily. You know, many religions do not uh, uh, present their, their God or their deity as someone that you can know. As a matter of fact, in the Muslim religion, uh, if you were to go into the Dome of the Rock, uh, it, written inside, it says that Allah is friends with no man. I want you to think about that. The idea is that their God... Uh, is so far from them and so different from them that he doesn't want closeness. And our God is so different. Jesus says, I want you to be my friend. I want to know you and I want you to know me. And he says this to disciples. He says this not to just one person. He says this to a group of people who are serving together. And he's challenging them to go past uh, uh, facades and to go past uh, uh, their exteriors and say, you know what? I want there to be a common bond and relationship with each other. And I want you to realize that uh, we experience friendship with Jesus Christ through his word and through prayer tonight. But we also have a dimension of that experience as we serve God. God together, and uh, you know, Jesus gave that common denominator that uh, we become his friends uh, 
when we are willing to do what he commands us to do and what Jesus is saying is that his friendship is available to all, but it's going to require that we all come under the submission of Jesus Christ as Lord. And many people like Jesus Christ as Savior, but he's also Lord. He also has the right to rule our lives. If you're saved tonight, that's a good place to say amen. We ought to come under that submission. And Jesus says that when we do this, there is a bond, there is a common denominator that we are serving Jesus together and we have that in common. We may have different backgrounds, different personalities. We might like different things, talk differently. But when that common denominator is at work, there is a powerful dimension of fellowship that begins to be expressed in our lives. Now, before I go any further, I do want to mention there is a two-sided coin when it comes to friendships. Uh, I have to kind of include this in my message because we are in a church. And, uh, you know, for new believers, uh, the idea that we can come into a church and people want to be our friends without even knowing us, uh, is very, it's very touching. I would say that uh, I often hear from people that are new to our church, one of the things that stands out to them is how polite and kind the people in the church are. I thank God. Y'all guys are a great blessing. Y'all are very good at making people feel comfortable and wanted. That's a big part of what uh, uh, fellowship and church is about. Uh, uh, this is very refreshing uh, for people uh, that are new. Uh, uh, this helps alleviate some people from insecurities, especially you know people that come from backgrounds of rejection and abuse. Uh, uh, oftentimes, people can be very apprehensive uh, about coming into a church because uh, they don't know what they're going to experience many times. And for the most part, I often hear that, uh, you know, that people feel welcome when they come. I believe that's still at work in our church. But there is another side to this when it comes to people that have been saved for a while or people that have been on the other side where you have befriended people, you have helped people, but sometimes in the process you get burned. I don't even know that sometimes we get burned by people. Don't shout me down. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes we reach out to help people. They lie to us. They steal from us. Or you uh, do things for them. You go above and beyond. Uh, I've been uh, in these places before. I remember when I first went out to pastor, we had uh, someone in the church, a young man that needed a place to live, told me he was being persecuted by his family, and uh, he ended up uh, uh, fornicating with one of the girls in the church. And... Uh, and uh, the parents begin to look for that girl. Uh, they called me and blamed me for the whole thing. And uh, I can, you know, and in the process, you know, of course, uh, he was speaking bad about me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I've been through that. I've been where you help people, they lie to you, they burn you, they put knives in your back, I've, and, and, and it happens. I got to say this because we all experience these things in the ministry and being part of, of ministry. You trust people. You reach out. Uh, and, and that has to be said tonight because this is what actually many times stops people from wanting to make friendships. It's these experiences where people have lied about us. It, it makes us hesitant. You know, it makes us, uh, you know, uh, it, it can. I'm not saying it has to, but it can. It can make us suspicious of people. Oh, God, deliver us in our mind that we don't look at everybody, that they're always out to get us. 
You know, that's one of the strategies of Satan is for you to have some bad experiences and now you paint everybody as a bad experience. It's a strategy of hell. And I realize tonight that this can be why sometimes fellowship and friendship struggle is because well, we have not processed properly these things in our life. We want to paint things with the same paintbrush all the time. But beloved, uh, uh, in the midst, now listen, Jesus is talking to all of his disciples, and one of them was Judas Iscariot, who did betray Jesus. And Jesus still offered his friendship to him. He still offered himself to him. So, beloved, I'm not trying to picture tonight that somehow because we are friends and we're a fellowship that there's never going to be people that to take advantage of that. Don't, what happened to all the amens? This is reality tonight, beloved. This is, you know, the early church experienced uh, getting hurt and getting burned. But isn't it interesting that when we read the scriptures, we don't uh, read inside of there, oh, they were in fellowship and the church was growing, but brother so-and-so was, was putting his hands around brother so-and-so. And, you know, we don't read these fights going on. We don't read that, you know, the saints are at each other's throats. Don't shut me down. You know, sometimes that happens. The saints are at each other's throats. And all the, it's like we go from a fellowship, somebody says something not disrespectful or rude, and it's taken the wrong way, and next thing you know, it's what just happened here? It went from fellowship to fellow chip. It gets real chippy. Said in Galatians, be careful uh, that you don't bite and devour one another. So, you know, beloved, there's these... Uh, tendencies or these hurdles or this other side to relationships that things don't always uh, things are not always smooth and I want to submit that part of it has to do with people are sinners that we you know we can put expectations on people that are not real we could just simply think well you're in a church you said a prayer you know you should never sin again well that would be great wouldn't it then I guess we wouldn't need much ministry if that was the case but we know that, uh, you know, we come in hurt, we come in broken, uh, we come in dysfunctional, and uh, many of us come from those backgrounds, and then you put all these people together, this motley crew of dysfunctionals together. Well, you got to know something's going to go down every now and then. Hello, somebody. Something's every now and then. Somebody's going to probably, you know, say some things or do some foolish things, but when it happens, what are we going to do? Are we going to shut down? Or we're still going to understand that this comes with friendship. Let's talk about fellowship and revival for a moment. Because there is an atmosphere uh, in fellowship that's needed. It says in Acts 2, 42 through 47, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers and fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles now all who believed were together. Look at that in verse 44. All believed were together. You know, I want you to think about that. If y'all were always together, what kind of things may happen? They had all things in common, the Bible says. They sold their possessions and goods and divided among all as anyone had need, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house. They were in each other's house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They weren't much different than you and I. Praising God, having favor with all people. And listen to what it says at the end. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. 
And ultimately, it's the Lord who adds to the church. But he's adding to the church. He, the, God's adding to the church based on the fellowship of that congregation. He says there were some dynamics. There was a unity and a fellowship that was created. In other words, there was this current within the church through relationship that helped to propagate and aid the gospel to go around. They wanted to be together. They wanted to do life together. This wasn't just limited to church services. Outside of church, they looked for each other. They called each other. They didn't have cell phones or anything like that, but I guess, uh, hey, you know. They, they, they communicated outside of church. This is why it's very healthy that after church services, you do fellowship, you do visit. It doesn't always have to be a church night as well. Isn't it interesting that they were a house to house? You know, now let me say something here because I find it interesting. You know, I thank God for the people in the church that open up their house. But I've always asked myself, how come it's always only a few people that do that? How come everybody can't open their house? Now, why is it always just a few people that do this? Thank God for them. If they don't do it, I don't know who's going to do it. But, you know, the Bible made it clear that this was from the church. It wasn't the pastors opening their house all the time. It was in the church. The apostles weren't going house to house. The church, the people of God, were house to house. In other words, this wasn't put off on just the leaders. This was something, there was like something within them. That they sought each other. They wanted to influence each other for God. And beloved, these were the things that were making up this current. uh, That within the church, they weren't perfect people. But they were people who genuinely cared about each other's life and welfare and well-being. This was something sincere. They were the fellowship. So there's a few things I want to talk about before we pray tonight. uh, Because there's some things we're going to experience in fellowship that you'll never experience outside of fellowship. Now, there's many scriptures that talk about what happens to people when they isolate themselves. It's never a good thing for people to isolate themselves. Proverbs 18, verse 1 says, An isolated man seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Oftentimes, when people are in rebellion, they isolate themselves. Oftentimes, when people don't well, want to listen and want to be influenced, they isolate themselves. Isolation is actually a form of punishment. I also find it uh, sometimes as well that uh, people, when they go rogue sometimes, they end up fellowshipping, but not with the people that they're, they're saved with. They end up fellowshipping with people who are either unsaved or backslidden or worldly or, or worse yet, people that used to attend the church, uh, but they're backslidden now and they spend their time barbecuing, uh, but not food, but the people in the church. I find that to be a sad testimony many times because this can happen. This, this happens. These dynamics happen at times. But there's something that can be experienced, beloved, that we can all be a part of. And first of all, Jesus said something about having friendships in God. And this is what Jesus was conveying to his disciples. I call you my friends, he says. And Jesus made it clear that that they didn't uh, find Jesus, but Jesus found them. He called them. I will know that, that you didn't call Jesus. He called you. He called them into a relationship with him, a friendship with him, but also that friendship had to do with not just him, but with each other. So there's some things tonight uh, that Jesus says uh, that we need to realize. In verse 15 in John's gospel, 
John 15, 15, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I've made known to you. So what this immediately tells us tonight, that the moment we start operating in fellowship with God and in fellowship with one another, that something begins to advance in our lives. That uh, we begin to go from a position of just one who serves to a position to where we go further in the things of God. So I want to submit this to you, that when you make friendships with men and women in your church, that relationship begins to push you along in the things and the purposes of God. Because Jesus said very plainly, he goes, here's a servant, and the idea in Bible times was that a servant was just somebody who would come to your home and fulfill a position and do a job. That's all they did. But Jesus says, you're not just people in my life that are just doing a job. You're not just a worker. We do work. We do serve. How many people know we do do that? But Jesus says, that's not all you are. He says, you're someone that gets to know what I'm going to do. In other words, I'm going to give you insight. I'm going to speak to you about deeper things because you've entered this relationship with me and others. So there's something I'm going to advance in your life. And this is very powerful. A deeper bond now is experienced through the relationships in our church. So, you know, this is, about a, this is a good time to ask yourself, who are the, your closest friends tonight? You don't have to answer me. Are they people that are serving God with you in this church? Or are they people outside of the things of God? Because Jesus is making something very clear. That when he challenged them to make friendships, he wasn't just saying, it's just going to be me and you, bro. It's just, you know, people say that. It's just me and Jesus. Well, you would like to think that, but Scripture says that when Jesus was speaking to these disciples, he was talking about him and them and each other. That's what fellowship was. What did fellowship look like in the New Testament church? Jesus had already ascended. It was God's people now experiencing relationship with one another through the common denominator of Jesus Christ in their life. We're going to have a picnic this Saturday, and I pray that you don't just see it as just it's, it's just a time to come and eat. Yeah, you know, yeah, eating is part of it. It's a way of slowing things down and enjoying some things. But, you know, the real thing that is happening and what you should hunger for is, you know what, this is a good opportunity to get to know the people in my church that I'm serving God with better. It's an opportunity to slow things down, you know. And, and you know, many times we're, we're laboring and we're serving together and we're busy, but, you know, it's in these fellowships where things can slow down and, there can be deeper relationship established. So Jesus is saying something deeper is at work. Uh, we're not just doing a duty for God, but now we're included in the family affairs of God. So the second thing here, and I find this to be very interesting, it's got a practical side and a spiritual side. Scripture says, I have called you friends for all things I heard from my Father I've made known to you. So what this tells me is that there is revelation that you get through fellowship that you may not get anywhere else. Now, the practical side of that is, you know, when you start to build real friendships, you know, what is a real friendship? Well, a real friendship 
is when we serve each other without having any uh, uh, motives of getting something for ourselves. As a matter of fact, that says a lot about our character. That if you will befriend somebody that you can't get nothing out of, that says a lot about your heart. Because in the world, it's not like that. People make friends with people who they can get something from. But in the church, we're friends because Jesus says, I'm going to be your friend, but then I want you to be friends with each other. I don't want you to build a bond and love each other the way I've loved you. So now we're challenged now to do something for others. So Jesus says, this is the practical that when we begin to build relationships without those motivations in our life, we learn some things about ourselves. You know, first of all, you're going to learn what kind of friend you really are. And I hear people tell me, I want friends. I don't have friends. My first thought is, well, what kind of friend are you to others? The proverb says, if you want to be fr- have friends, then you yourself have to be friendly. So what does that mean? Well, that means you can't be hiding in your room all day. I don't have any friends, Pastor. I don't understand I don't got any. Well, you don't see people. Who could you make friends with? Well, you know, we already know what social media does to people. It gives people this false illusion that they got one million followers. But can you pick up the phone and talk to one and have coffee with one somewhere? Well, no. Well, then that's not really a real friend. But they say I am. I know they say you are, but that's not real friendship. You see, when we become the practical side of friendship and making friends as we learn about ourselves. Yes, we learn about other people, but we learn about ourselves. And that can be kind of discouraging, but it can also be a learning experience. We can become better friends for somebody. Oh, man, that was a good time to say amen. We, we, man, I want a better friend, Pastor. No, you be a better friend. That's like husbands and wives complaining about their spouse. I want a better husband. No, will you be a better wife? You can't control what your husband's going to be. You can't control what you're going to be. You be better. But it tells you something about relationships, the practical. And there's a spiritual dynamic I want you to think about, too. And I'm not implying tonight that, okay, here we have this friendship with God and each other. Now God all of a sudden is going to tell us all these secrets, you know, spiritual secrets. Oh, now I know. I'm not talking about that. But rather, as we build these relationships with one another, there's revelation that we get through the word of God and through each other. In other words, as I position myself through the fellowship of the church, uh, I become a part of God's plan personally and corporately. So that's one thing that Lone Rangers for Jesus can never have. They can never be a part of something bigger because they're always by themselves. Your life, think about people, for instance, say for instance you're a nursery or a children's church. You're ministering. Do you realize that as you're ministering, you're, you're involved with someone else's life at a younger age. Yeah. They're going to remember when they get older who were their teachers, who showed them. You play a part in their life. You don't do that by yourself. You don't do that uh, being a Lone Ranger Christian. You do that in, in a fellowship setting. We build these relationships, and then corporately, we go to conference. And then when I go to conference, yes, I'm going to hear the sermons to get ministered to, but I got a lot of close friends there. I got pastor friends I've had for many, many, many years. I look forward to seeing them, fellowshipping with them, sharing with them. And, uh, you know, I look forward to that because those relationships inspire me. Their lives inspire me. 
See, beloved, uh, your friends have a lot to do with uh, revelation and understanding that you get uh, in your own life. Two Bible characters in the Old Testament, Abraham and Moses. You know, both of them, God referred to them as being his friend. James 2.23, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Very powerful statement. And it's no surprise that when God was going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, not everybody really understood about that, but Abraham knew about that. That's why I said what I said a few minutes. I'm not going to say you're the new Abraham, and now you know what, God, how, what God's going to do, walking around prophesying these things. I'm not saying that. But I find it interesting that through that friendship with God, there were some things God could show him. As, you know, God can show you some things through friendships and relationships. Exodus 33.10, and the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. This is powerful, beloved. So there's the practical and there's the spiritual implications, and I believe we step into that. Let's close, and let's talk about fellowship is fruit-bearing. Remember what I said at the beginning of the sermon, that a church that is in healthy fellowship, that's one of the ingredients to producing a healthy church. A healthy church is made up of healthy Christians. Okay? So fellowship is fruit-bearing. One man wrote this as a poem before we pray tonight. This man wrote this. He says, this is my church. It is composed of people just like me. It will be friendly if I am. It will do great work if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I'm generous. It will bring others into its fellowship if I bring them. It, its uh, seats will be filled if I fill them. It will be a church of loyalty and love, of faith and service uh, if I make, uh, make it what it is and I'm filled with these. Therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things I want my church to be. I think that's a very good poem. Whoever wrote that understands what the church really is. The church really is made up of individuals who are saved out of the world, saved out of their sin, and brought together in a family. Now, think about what Jesus said tonight. You did not choose me, but I chose you. That means the church where you get saved at and the church where you're serving at, it's sacred. You think you chose it, but in reality, God chose you to be here, to get saved here, to get rooted here, to get discipled here. I don't know how you ended up here, but God saw to it that you're here and it's sacred. It's meaningful. God chose that for you. You could be serving God anywhere tonight. You could be in any church tonight. But for some reason, God saw to it to get you here. And he wants you to be in this family, and he's going to do something through this fellowship in your life. But we make the church what it is. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he may give you. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus puts in there, answered prayer, much of it's connected to us embracing where God wants us to be where God wants us to serve, where God wants us to be planted. These things, Jesus says, I command you, that you love one another. Jesus ends this series of statements with that command. Now remember in the beginning, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. You know what Jesus commands? That you love one another. In other words, the bond of fellowship isn't the music it's not how much you like the preacher. It's not how much you like the, the, the food or the coffee or 
whatever, you, whatever may be attractive to you here. But the bond of fellowship is love. That at the end of the day, you say, you know what? I love those people in the church. They're not perfect people. They may do things and say things that might get on my nerves from time to time. But I love them. I love them because Jesus put me with them. And I didn't pick him. He picked them for me. And I love Jesus, so I'm going to love in return. Jesus says, I command you to do that. Command you to love. I command you to love them. Beloved, before we close tonight, this is the key to a growing and productive and fruit-bearing church. That when people come in with all the flaws that we may have, and they see there's real love and forgiveness, people want to be a part of that. People want to be a part where there's real forgiveness and real love. And we have been appointed together to reflect that because of Jesus. Let's bow our heads tonight. I appreciate your attentiveness. Our head is bowed, our eyes closed for the next few moments. We're going to pray and ask God to help us. A fellowship of friends. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.